This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Like we normally say, good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Look, guys, it's all the same pretty much for everybody right now. So we're going to start going with this. Look, as long as we're all locked in, I appreciate you all for sticking and coming through here on Locked On Browns. Uh, joining us today from PFF, Mr. John Costco, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Browns-wise, for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. And, of course, is the way things work. You know, I recorded last night and one signing dropped, um, another signing dropped just here a couple minutes ago. We're going to get to those. We're going to get to all of them with John here. Um, John, first things first, uh, all that's going on, how is the Costco family holding up? Is the cabin fever kicking in just yet? Uh, we're doing great. I mean, this, for me, like I work from home anyways, so it's zero Why are change you all for me. Here? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, the change mainly is obviously having the kids home uh, during the day because of no school. Um, but, uh, like my wife, she worked on Monday and then was like, no, forget this. This is, I, because she works at a grocery store in a bakery, which if you work, like, obviously if you, if with work, um, like grocery stores are like one of the few places that aren't being shut down because people need to buy groceries or whatever. Um, but like bakeries, it's not like. She's baking, she's doing cakes and cake decorating and stuff like that. Like, that's not essential. So she's like, no, nah, what I do is not even essential. It's not worth the risk. So um, she's not going to work. And so she takes care of the kids during the day. And right now they're off doing this uh, scavenger hunt of monkeys in windows. So in order to get the kids to, like, be excited about doing stuff, I guess, they our whole neighborhood has, like, a Facebook group where we – uh you know communicate with each other and instead of like actually getting together and and doing stuff which is obviously not recommended for what's going on they put these monkeys or some type thing in the window and you're supposed to walk around the neighborhood and and find those monkeys and that's it (laughs) hey look man we got to do what we got to do here and uh yeah look uh you don't need to be seeing anybody right now. And look, there's a million ways to take care of that. Um, whether it is yeah. Uber conference, so to speak. Uh, and thanks for the unlimited time here now, Uber conference. I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at for running too long on podcasts again. But that is what it is. Um, first signing out here. And John, we were just talking before we went on air. And it's funny because, you know, with each signing that comes along, you know, the certain members of the fan base, well, we didn't get this position yet but they're starting to stack up pretty perfectly as far as, you know, what you needed. Um, as far as what if, could have been done here and looking at the draft at the tight end position, it was hard to find. It was really, really hard to even find a guy that you thought could be that one alpha male blocker slash receiver. You know, free agency wasn't offering a ton of it. Um, did they overpay? Well, I mean, saying that Austin Hooper is now the number, you know, the highest paid tight end in the NFL, which he is until George Kittle and his people have their way with it. And I'm sure Travis Kelsey's people would like to sit down with the Chiefs front office as well. But you went out and you were aggressive. This is this was the guy. You had everybody to do that other thing. You had Najoku. You have Carlson. Um, Farrell Brown, I still think, may be a factor in this because there were times last year where he blocked pretty well. Um, but Hooper was one they needed. They needed to solidify that, got to work on it right away. And, you know, if it meant making him currently the top paid, highest paid tight end in the league, so be it. But what exactly did we get in Austin Hooper, John? 
Well, um, you got a guy that can get that can has a sure-handed tight end. Uh, he's dropped four passes total the past two years, and uh, catches just an absurd amount of his of his catches every single year. He had a in terms of our WAR number. So PFF's put out WAR, which is wins above replacement. People know that from a uh, baseball statistic, but with our grades, we're able to you know now quantify what type of you know what everybody does in the nfl and how well they do it and you know what that equates to value and he was at a you know 0.33 last year one of the best tight ends in the nfl in terms of of terms of that so um he, he's a sure-handed catcher he catches you know over 15 59% of his contested catches so he's a guy that in those tight coverages when he's he's not getting the separation he can make those those contested catches which baker mayfield we know loves throwing into those tight windows uh, so he's going to be a guy that uh, should be able to uh, just haul those in, those passes in that Baker makes likes to throw. Uh, so, you know, with his ability there uh, in tight coverages, uh, you know, 90, he has caught in almost 94% of his catchable targets the past two years. Uh, just really, really excellent player in terms of that. He's not a guy that's going to defeat – you know, man coverage all, you know, like at an elite level from a, from a tight end perspective, but you can scheme it up for him. And he's very good in zone, against zone coverages, which is where most, most teams run zone coverages nowadays. So um, that's what you're getting in a, in a guy like Austin Hooper. And he's also a very good run back blocker. He's not, he's not a Rob Gronkowski. Nobody should ever try to confuse him with that. And he's not, he's not a, as good as a Travis Kelsey or a, you know, George Kittle and, and, you know, people would look at, oh, he's the highest paid tight end now. But like you said, it's like as soon as those guys get up, they're going to be ahead of him. And tight end is a vastly underpaid position in the NFL for the value that they bring to the table. It is as it is already. Um, and so paying, you know, above market price for for the probably the best tight end on the open market it, for a position that, you know, of need of the of the team, especially with the scheme they run, is not a, not too bad at all, in my opinion. Yeah, and this is uh, you know what Pete and I were getting to here. Um, I mean, they are literally. It's you know, you're asking these guys to do two jobs. There's not many, you know, positions on the offensive side of the ball where essentially you know you get paid, but you, your job description is to do two jobs. It's a fifty fifty thing. Um, and obviously, you know, we've seen guys over the years that can't block a lick at the tight end position, and the money never really maxes out. We've seen guys that are really solid blockers, and everybody looks every year, and it's you know one year three million dollars. But when you were the guy that can kind of consistently bring both efforts it's a no-brainer and you know and we'll continue here on the offense and this is where I think some folks got nervous but you can see look I mean uh new regime uh offensive minded first time head coach what are you going to do <laughs> you are going to take care of what is going to be your bread and butter uh Jack Conklin um for the reasons we never thought Jack Conklin was a possibility because I thought we were figuring more of Seven years, $85 million, 50 guaranteed. But when you talk, you know, four, I mean, three years, 42 million, 30 guaranteed, 20 million guaranteed in year one. If this goes well next year, when the cap goes up 30 mil minimum, you say, all right, do you want to do it now? And we'll extend you or can we wait a year or two? And then maybe by then, you know, Joel or JC will be off the books if it's really working out, yada, yada, yada. But I, the player was never really the, issue um so much as it, it just didn't seem like it was going to be you know cost feasible where they were just going to go out and drop you know the basically the all-time highest you know tackle contract i'm getting better i'm not saying left i'm not saying right <laughs> the highest tackle contract ever 
Um, but when you see the numbers of it and, you know, which you're about to tell us what he's really good at, it was just like, okay, you guys went two for two right out of the box and like it got done in like 25 minutes. Yeah, this um, this one I did like I agree with it. I did not expect it to happen because we were, I was thinking that he was going to like the way that with the you know people were talking that he was going to be like shattering records in terms of what an offensive tackle got for per year basis, thinking close to twenty million a year. And I was like, there's no way you're going to pay Jack Conklin twenty million a year because he isn't that that prototype. He's, I mean, he's not a Joe Thomas. He's not a Mitchell Schwartz. He's not a guy that's going to be locking it down in pass protection. He's good, but he's not he's not one of the best there. But what he is really good at to, is in the wide zone run blocking. He was over the past two years, is it grade there as an 84.6, third best of all tackles in that time frame on the wide zone. And what does Kevin Stefanski like to run? The wide zone. So it's per, it's a perfect fit in terms of that. Um his his grade on on pass blocking is over the past few years on pure pass sets is 64.2, which is not great. But when you add in the pass protection, play, you know, uh, grade in play action pass at 76.5, that was the sixth best uh, at the right tackle position in the past two years. So when, you, and there's going to be a ton of play action in this offense and he's very good on those. And obviously you're getting help with that um, for any offense alignment, but still he's able, when he's able to, how did he's able to utilize that help in pass protection He's, he is one of the best with that. So um, they're going to scheme it up for him to be able to be protected. And he's not those guys, like a, a like I said, one of the elite, you know, pure pass protectors in the NFL. Uh, but he what he brings to the table is perfect fit for this offense. And the fact that you are only able to get it at, at a $14 million per year with it all front-loaded, uh, where, you know, he's, he's going to be a monstrous upgrade over, you know, Chris Hubbard and uh, what they had last year in the past couple of years. So, um it's, I mean, it's a perfect fit for the offense and at a price that was a lot cheaper than than what a lot of us were expecting. And so that that I thought was a really good signing, you know, for the, for what they were able to get. And it was funny because if you remember, there was a talk coming out of the combine and there was uh, I forget what insider, what insider, maybe it was Tony Pauline. And then Schefter tried to drop it of, you know, Conklin's da, 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 and it was over within less than an hour. And this is all it was. And I'm wondering if maybe some teams never even got the opportunity to talk. But hey. I'm not going to argue with it. Uh, glad to have him. And, you know, as Pete and I have been mentioning here, this, you know, mock drafts, this shakes it up for everybody. Cause I mean, we were talking right. Well, you're not worried about adding two starting tackles. You wanted to take a developmental guy on day three. God bless you. Um, I need, I do want to add start. something too. You know, he, he got hurt in 2018 um, and was injured all year. And then he tore his MC, ACL, I think at the end of that 2018 season. And so, so his grade in 2018 was not great in pass protection. Um, his grade in, in pass protection in 2019 wasn't, was not what it was in his first two years in the offense as well. Um, and then pure, like, so we, we chart literally everything or whatever, but we have a pure, you know, the true pass sets um, grading, which is, you know, you take out the play action, you take out the screens, you take out the RPOs, you take out the trick plays, you, you take out the rollouts, all that stuff to basically say, Hey, is he dropping back and, and actually protecting or whatever, instead of it being a quick game where you just get rid of the ball and there's really not much protecting that happens there. Um, his, his pass grade in that was, was in a, you know, low seventies, which is pretty good. And, and it ranked in the, in the top 20 at the, at the time for all offensive tackles. And, but the past few years he's had, you know, the injuries that have had issues for him um, where it's dropped down into the low sixties. So uh, if he can be healthy again, 
he's going to be perfectly fine in, in terms of a pass protector uh, and, and maybe even see a step up from what, what it is the past couple of years. But I, I, th- I think that part of it is, you know, the, 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 the injuries have taken a toll a little bit in his pass protection. Well, and there is the always, you know, the talk of the first year back as opposed to the second year back. And so you can know, hopefully, you know, get some hope for some growth there. Uh, we've got a couple more offensive players to get to here and we'll do that. And we'll start easing on over to the defensive side for everybody who is nervous. There have been moves, a lot of moves here in the last, I guess, 17 or so hours. Jeff Lloyd from PFF, John Costco, uh, here on Locked On Browns. Uh, appreciate everybody as far as, you know, the morning routine. You've got the Google Home or Alexa or whatever. And, hey, play me the latest Cleveland Browns news. You get shorter, uh, you know, uh, blurbs from me, five minutes, one minute, on the things that have been going on here. Uh, you know, obviously moves that have come to point this you know, this week, Browns wise, you know, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, getting, you know, everybody's going to get fined when they don't say Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, as that all takes to get us some getting used to here. Um, but go ahead. If you got Alexa, you got Google uh, Home, go ahead, check it out. Ask, you, ask them to play you the latest Cleveland Browns news and have that brought into you from me. Now, the move itself of the player or the quarterback that Case Keenum is, John, you know, it's definitely not something that's going to really move the needle. Um, But there's two things here. Um, And for years, we've heard so many organizations talk about, you know, well, if QB1 goes down, F it, the whole thing is scrapped. The whole thing's kind of hell anyway. This gives you a chance if, God forbid, something does happen to QB1 here. Um, The other thing is whenever they do get started, and I don't think everything, you know, is going to, you know, we're probably not going to see normal OTAs. Teams not get, you know, players aren't going to be getting together a week after the draft. Most likely none of that is happening. But this does bring someone else in here. And, you know, could there possibly, again, be too many people talking to Baker? Certainly that's possible. But you have people that are all know what's going on here. So you bring in Case Keenum. Uh, you know, obviously you're paying him a little bit of money here. Um, but he's more than just a baseball cap wearer. God forbid he's got to throw on a helmet. He should know exactly what the heck's going on here. So I thought this was interesting. I love those that, you know, and I've seen, well, maybe you just start Case Keenum until Baker knows what's going on. <laughs> no, no, that is not the case. But either way, you went out and got yourself a legitimate quarterback, a backup quarterback, and it's one that'll fit. It's not just, you know, saying, oh, well, he could play if he has to. Yeah, well, does he fit the system? And obviously, Case Keenum fits the system and fits it very well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, the familiarity with Kevin Stefanski, obviously, uh, him being a former Minnesota Viking is the the big the big connection there, and the reason why I'm um, probably the reason why he's he's joining the Cleveland Browns. But it's just right. He's a professional. He's a guy that's going to be able to show Baker Mayfield the ropes, um, be able to uh, guide him in the right direction, maybe keep his head on straight. You know, I, I think everybody kind of recognizes that Baker can have that uh, that you know maybe that personality uh, that rubs people the wrong way, or maybe isn't laser focused on his task but when he gets you know the right coaching the right people around him he can be laser focused on that and so I think he's going to just show him the ropes in terms of how to you know to be that professional I I think with Juice Stanton there as the veteran backup last year and you know he was a guy that was more of a a buddy with him instead of more of a mentor Um, and when you get guys that are your buddies they don't really push you to be the best Uh, so with Keenum there he's going to push him to be the best and then if you know if anything happens to Baker, he is a guy that you can you can trust to step in there and and you know not just you know be and and like if you so if you're bringing in a rookie wide receiver or whatever, he's going to have be able to help keep that rookie wide receiver on on the right 
path and the right task and running the right routes and stuff like that, as opposed to a guy that you can't really trust that, that you put out there that uh, you then you can't uh, you know evaluate that rookie wide receiver. So you know there's there's part of that too. Maybe you get that rookie left tackle that's going to be that guy. So like Baker, you know Baker Mayfield goes out. You instead of having a a quarterback that's really inconsistent with his dropbacks. Um, you know, hopefully Baker should be more consistent with his dropbacks. But if you have a rookie that might get inconsistent with that, you really don't get a good, uh, an ideal look at that left tackle. So it's a, it's, it goes on beyond just the quarterback position there too to to help uh, with that veteran presence. And I think Case Keenum is a guy that's uh, going to be able to ha- you know un- unite the locker room uh, in tandem with Baker Mayfield and and be able to step up with Baker Mayfield. A, you know, for whatever reason, can't perform or he's injured or whatever it is. But we all, all you know, expect Baker to, to take that step back forward and to what he was as a rookie. And look, um, you know, where are you going to go with this tight end route? And this was, you know, something obviously that Baker excelled in. Always had good tight end play in his time down in Oklahoma. Not so much Texas Tech, but at, at Oklahoma. Um, I just like it from the fact that, look, I mean, you've got something, if God forbid you need it. Um, obviously, everyone wants to see six take every stinking snap possible. Um, you go in, and we're, you know, looking for fullbacks. And look, Senior Bowl couldn't even give you two fullbacks on either roster this year. So it's hard. You know, we're looking, oh, man, are we going to have to create one? Are we going to have to go find one? And then, obviously, Ham stays with Minnesota. Uh, Watt reunites with his brother in Pittsburgh. And the fullback market is getting slim. Uh, you get on the phone, you call up Denver, who really no longer has use for a fullback. Um, Andy Janovich, obviously last year, you know, uh, dislocated elbow, ended his season early. Um, you're able to get a player on a three-year, five and five million and change contract um, for a 2021 seventh-round pick, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, is super valuable. going to be nothing. Super um, valuable. I don't know what you're talking about. Super valuable. Could turn into <laughs> Tom Brady. Never know. Well, uh, what I'm hoping is they somehow get a seventh-round comp pick, and then they can trade that away the way things ex- apparently happen to them. Uh, but Andy Janovich, first things first, you're looking you, – you, you want to look at a fullback and say, does he look like a fullback? All right. No neck, thick hit, uh, 30 bench reps. Yes, this is what a fullback looks like. And then you go see him play, and obviously most part gets the job done. No, you know, Doesn't shy away from contact. Um, not used a lot as far as carrying the ball or the ball throwing to him, but is able to make do with that as well. This was a, this was just a nice get because there was no guarantees in the draft you were going to find anybody. And fullback is always a small market, and there's only a few amount of teams that actually employ them. So, A, it's nice to see that fullbacks are somewhat still relevant here because even in the modern day, you still like to see some form of the old day of football. But it's a small you know pool of guys that play this position they were at least able to get this one put to bed in as much as everybody loves Johnny Stanton, all this stuff. Usually the answer to any question in the NFL is not found in late January. Yeah. Obviously Johnny Stanton signing was more of like, Hey, I'm, you know, the system I'm bringing you in, you're going to teach it to whoever the fullback is that we're going to have. And maybe even to the tight ends and, and stuff like that. Um, because yeah, like having this trade, this trade obviously solidifies that position and yeah, he might only be on the field for maybe 300 snaps in the season or something like that. But it, obviously, in this wide zone system, it is pretty important. And he's he's a really solid player for you know for the fullback position. It's a dying breed in the NFL, but for the teams that do use it, like you know how much Kyle Shanahan values that position. And uh, you know, Andy Jan- yeah, Janovich. What is that? How do you pronounce the last name again? Yeah, oh. Janovich. No. Oh. 
one of those y- Yano, whatever his last name is, but he's a wrestler from Nebraska. Uh, he's one of the best in the NFL and what he does, he's had a, in his run block grade on, on split blocks was the best in the NFL at 84.1. And his grade on, on leads was second pass at 65.7 and 65.7 doesn't sound like a great grade, but like we're obviously talking about small sample sizes here because uh, fullbacks just aren't utilized very often in the NFL. So he is one of the best at what he does in, um, you know, you're not going to ask him to, to catch the ball often, maybe, maybe eight times a year. And, uh, touch the ball and, and runs maybe another five times. So uh, what his primary role is is to be lead blocking, and he is a, a missile, and he just flattens people, and that's what he loves to do. So uh, it's a great, great position to have, and he's athletic and, um, you know, good ad for the team because that's what they need, especially for a seventh-round pick, and people are trying to trying to criticize the trade of a for a fullback, but it's a seventh-rounder. It's a, you know <laughs> – that pick is going to be a throwaway pick at any position. So, or if anything, um, you'd be hoping to maybe get a fullback with it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, it's a good sign, I, I believe. And he has familiar with the system too, because he was with um, Scangarello last year in Denver where they ran this system. So um, it's going to be less of a learning curve for him. Well, the thing I loved, and I was going over his stat line, and this is where you said where they don't throw it to him much. Uh, I think the one year it was five receptions for 112 yards. So that's essentially everybody everybody on the field flowed left, except for Janovich who went to the right side of the field. And every, holy crap, they actually threw it to him this time. And, you know, that's how you go for five receptions for 112 yards as a fullback is because it's a very, very small sample size. And most of the time it's just trying to catch people, uh, you know, basically not as a defense, not sticking to their assignments. And somebody, you know, making sure they've got the backside taken care of. Uh, throwing it over here now, and this is where everybody got nervous. Oh, man, well, where are the names going to come in on D? And look, obviously, you know, the linebacker position, I mean, it, it went off the, you know, it just flew off the board. You know, it was boom, 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 one by one by one by one by one. Um, now, you get B.J. Goodson last night, and the slew of these one-year deals with these guys on defense. I think a lot of it is, is if you work out, we're going to talk next year. and Maybe we can make things good if it doesn't work out. Thank you for your time and move on down the road. Um, BJ Goodson is a, is a piece. Um, and like I told everybody, you know, cause I was getting asked about it yesterday. The market was done. I mean, it was to the point where it was pretty, you know, what was left. It had been watered down. There wasn't much left. What you were going to get wasn't going to necessarily move the needle. Um, and still not sure what exactly where the linebacker position is in value with this system. It, it may not be greatly, obviously to the emphasis that's not really been put into this point, but he's a good tackler in the run game. And from everything you seem to see is if it's second and nine, you might want to get him off the field. If it's second and four, maybe he can stick around. And if it's third down, yeah, BJ get off the field. The guy. Yeah. I'm, you, you summed it up pretty well. I mean, this linebacker class was basically Corey Littleton, Joe Schobert, and then massive drop off, and you're not going to pay ten ten plus million to a to a linebacker uh, unless they are elite, and that's you know of the Luke Keekleys and Bobby Wagner's. And then it's like I don't know if there's anybody else you want to pay at that price. And you look at the the contracts of linebackers that get ten plus million a year, and there's a lot of players on there that it's like, well, why would you pay that guy that much money when they are valuable if they can cover and do everything. But um, they're, they're the value that they provide uh, on a consistent basis, even at the, the you know, the, maybe the average player, 
is not very high at all. Um, I mean, you just look at what, you know, what obviously Joe Schobert was able to bring to the table, great coverage player. Um, but you know, maybe not as quite as good as a run defender. Um, and his leadership is going to be missed, but not at, not at a $11 million a year or whatever it is good for him to get that money. Um, but I think in terms of what the, the market was, then after those two guys, there really wasn't much there for, for a veteran linebacker um, to be able to come in. And you're not going to pay much uh, for B.J. Goodson. He's, like you said, a good, you know, solid run defender. He doesn't miss tackles. Uh, not a guy that you can trust in coverage all that much. He's decent when he rushes the passer. Um, and he's going to provide a veteran presence there uh, with that does have some speed uh, that can run sideline to sideline and uh, be able to just be a veteran presence in that locker room because you're going to probably have two linebackers out there a lot more often than than not, and they're going to look to add probably some more veteran depth and, and some guys in, in the draft. Uh, and look, there's been some absolute you know, gem of an evening for BJ Gibson. There was a, a you know a 14 solo tackles, 18 totals uh, in 17, 2018, and a Monday night he had a two interception game. Um, but you know, all in all, this it's going to be part of a work in progress here. You're going to hope Mac Wilson grows as a player. Um, you're still going to have to see what you got in Sione Tony uh, Sione Taki Taki as a player. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I, either another name's going to be rolled in, a name's going to be drafted. It doesn't mean a kid like Willie Harvey from last year certainly is out of the realm here. I just think it's going to be more of the front part of the defense. It's going to be the rear of the defense. And with that, I guess we can move on to the next one here. Um, and this is where it's a fun one because it's always nice when you get like you get a Twitter darling um, as far as you know, a, you know, a draft Twitter darling. And Carl Joseph was one of those guys. You always fall in love with the guys that are literally Gotta don't give guy. a crap about their body. And they just will knock heads with anybody, which is probably why Carl Joseph has had the injuries he's had. Um, and you get another player here on a one-year deal. Um, can play a little bit behind, probably more Jabril Peppers type of player where if he can see everything that's going on in front of him, he's a lot more effective. Fun player. Uh, why the one-year deal, guys? The one-year deal is because Carl Joseph comes with a lot of injury history um and even with this signing it doesn't mean you're anywhere near close to being done with that safety room no yeah exactly right and this is a guy i mean like you said i love this guy coming out of college uh because he was a heat seeking missile who graded out really well in, in coverage he's probably part of the reason those targeting rules exist now in the ncaa yeah yeah exactly so it's he's a guy that um, hasn't lived up to that first round draft selection at number 14 overall. Um, but he has been a solid player every single year of his career. Um, and you look at his, and he has 67.7, 74.5, 69.9, um, all, in, you know, middle of the pack of safety rankings, uh, his war, it doesn't change all that much too. his 0. 0.11, 0.17, 0.16. You can, that kind of gives you an example of, of where safeties are in terms of what they add to value. They're valuable, but they're not, they're, they're not going to be moving the needle a tremendous amount. So what you want from Carl Joseph is a guy that isn't going to, you know, miss a lot of tackles. Um, you know, he had six last year. You're not going to want him to, to be busting on his assignments and stuff like that. And he doesn't do that. He just doesn't make all that many plays in, in coverage, uh, but he doesn't get beat all that often. So he, he's a solid player. That's especially going to be great and you know, around the line of scrimmage, he's a very good run defender, uh, solid as a pass rusher, maybe a little bit, not, not so 
you know, instinctive in coverage, but he's a guy that you can move all over the field because he has played a bunch of those positions. And, um, you know, I think that his best play is in front of him, especially if he can stay healthy and gets utilized more properly instead of maybe moving all over the place and maybe more uh, being able to focus on a, on a specific, more a specific role that he does. But uh, he's a guy that I really loves out of college. He hasn't lived up to that yet. And hopefully, hopefully with the Browns, he does. Yeah, and this was, I mean, I remember because obviously with a little bit of being undersized, I mean, this was a guy people were trying to, you know, throw Bob Sanders comparisons to. Um, like they thought he could have that kind of effort. Um, obviously, with the safety position, you know, it's still going to be determined what they view or A, I'm sorry, how they view Sheldrick Redwine and B, what they do think of him, where they do think he possibly could fit. Um, so you're still going to have to attack that position here. Um, the possibility of taking one at 41 probably is still very real at this point. And with the signing of Conklin probably makes it even easier to address that there as well. Um, then one more here, uh, you go ahead at today and this is like crazy. You sign a guy who's been in the league for three years. And this was one of the funniest thing about Andrew Billings at the time was he was just an absolute pop. The kid just turned 24 years old, uh, while in high school, he, was the uh, moved more weight in you know high school weightlifting than anyone ever, including Mark Henry, WWE Hall of Famer. Andrew Billings beat those records. And keep in mind, he was like a year young for his class at the time. Um, injuries, again, this is another player kind of similar to Joseph. Injuries have gotten to him at times. The knee, um, and it's not that he's super big where you worry about the joints, a lot of it just bad luck. But also kind of sneaky athletic, John, for being this big, strong dude. Um, but when you can get a guy at 24, and you, you see the theme here with almost all of these guys, except for Keenum, is age coming off first contracts and you know, seeing what these players, you know, the ultimate, you know, tale of their careers is gonna be as far as the players they are, all very similar here. But here you get a guy you need on the interior. And I mean, there's some defensive tackles in this class, John, that are only six months younger than him. Yeah, um, he's a guy that we really like coming out of college. We're probably a little bit too high on him. I think we had like a late first run grade on him because his tape at, at Baylor was so dang good. But he is just a run-stuffing nose tackle, and the value that those guys bring isn't isn't quite obviously a first-round value, and probably we wouldn't rate him that highly now that now what we know about you know value of, of positions and stuff like that. But um, he, yeah, like the injuries have been were an issue for him, and but. The past few years, he's been really solid, uh, especially at the nose tackle position because um, he's he's been he's been moved around. And so, like at the nose tackle position, he's grading out as as a top ten player there. But when you move him to three tech, he's a le- lot less effective. So what you need to, he's going to be a guy that you can put in that nose tackle position, covering up the center uh, much better than than Larry Ogunjobi at that at that role uh, now. Because unfortunately for Ogunjobi, he lost a ton of weight. Um, and is no longer the, the the same type of player that he is that when they the Browns drafted him. Um, he, if he would have kept on that weight, he probably could be. But um, he's going to be a guy that you can get bring in there, uh, take snaps away from Ogunjobi, uh, be a much more stout against the run. Um, you know, on obviously on early downs and in short you know short yardage situations. Uh, because he is he is a hoss and he's not going to be moved around. So yeah, he's a guy that obviously you know he has above average athleticism for his, you know, for his size and stuff like that. And just 
one of the most strong, strongest men in the NFL for sure. So um, he's he's gonna he's a good signing, especially for a one year prove it deal. I think it was the, I think it just came out it was three point five million for the year. So good value there, especially for a guy that can take snaps away from Larry Ongojogi, who unfortunately has uh, declined uh, ever since his rookie year. Yeah, and it's and you hate to say you, you hate to say things like, "Well, wow, the guy got himself really healthy, got himself in really, really great shape," but uh, didn't help us as a team. Um, you you know, you signed Sheldon Richardson to be the athletic three tech, and you figured Larry was going to be the uh, kind of bowling ball in the middle that also still had the quicks to uh, you know beat a center off the snap or something. And look, Larry looks fantastic; he really does. But he's now the smallest guy of that defensive line when they go out there. So he, not a huge he tried to model his- there. Right, he tried to model his game after Geno Adkins and Aaron Donald, and that is not his game. He's he's uh, nope. he flashes those those moves all once in a while, but it's not, uh, um, you know, it's not it's not his style. It's not what he should be. Uh, he he needs to be more of that that run stuffer guy that can anchor when he needs to, and then you know make moves off of that to to not get pushed off the ball. And he just gets pushed off the ball too much because he obviously lost all that weight. Yep. Uh, look, congratulations, Larry. Look fantastic. Uh, is what it is on that front here. Um, guys, look, if anybody can understand uh, you know, what's going on with small businesses, obviously it's me. Um, so I'm going to look out for folks like the Zabo Apparel Company, um, S-Z-A-B-O, ZaboApparel.com, uh, Zabo Apparel on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, it's tough in a situation like this. Um, you know, People can't buy. Money's tight. But, uh, you know, in the same respect, this is how you feed your family. This is your business. So if you got it and you can and you need gear, Zabo Apparel, S-Z-A-B-O. Go ahead. Check out everything Brian and his family got going on over there. Lifelong Browns fans uh, travel to road games and put out a product that's A, of quality, and B, comes from the heart. So we're going to get to this here, John. And actually just uh, – this. From Jake Treader just a few minutes ago. Cleveland's still not done defensively um, in free agency. Still looking for another safety. Then potentially another pass rusher and a DB who can play the nickel. Um, some names there. Um, and don't be surprised, guys, if the nickel, PB, somebody name, nickel. Go ahead, John. So some names to look at for the safety position. Um what is the um, haha Clinton Dick still available? I think he's he is. still out there. Yes, he is. Yeah, so he could be a potential name guy that obviously he's, I think he's coming off a one year deal that he signed with the Bears. Um, he's still just 27 years old. Um, very productive player. His 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 grades have been very consistent over the over the years. Uh, past three years, he's been you know in the in the 70s at PFF WAR um, above. Last year was 0.41, uh, one of the best in, as a, at the safety position. Um, so he's a possible, you know, possibility there. Um, you know, I think p- people talk about Von Bell being off the the books now for the safety position because of the signing of Carl Joseph. I don't think that's the case. I think I think you can both you can have them both. It doesn't doesn't hurt to have that. Um, maybe even a because uh, you know he's 25 years old, be off his his first contract, you know, off his rookie contract, so it'd be his first free agency period that he could sign. Um, so maybe those guys. It's tough to say at this point. I think you know Carl Joseph is one guy that I thought that they were going to go after and get, and I was somehow right, just guessing on that. Uh, <laughs> now you you talk about Nicole Roby Coleman. I 
thought I saw that he was going to be staying in in uh, in L.A., but did I see that wrong? I don't know, but he would be somebody that would yeah, be um, it, good it's, there. Yeah, no, I mean, because he actually got released, I believe. So, Oh, is um, that what happened? Okay. Yeah, yeah and no, there there is some chatter, and I know the guys at the OBR have mentioned it, and it's there. And one of the reasons they believe maybe chances may have gotten better was with uh, Mackenzie Alexander signing today with the Bengals. Um, you know, so it, the possibility is there. But, you know, look, he's good at the position. The question is going to be money. Yeah, if, so he, he he got what he was. I think he was at a five point two two million dollars last year. Um, so if he if he's wanting if you're getting cut, you're probably getting less than what you got last year. So you're probably looking at a you know maybe four million dollar uh, you know one year prove it deal or something like that. Maybe you can get him long term or something. Um, he is twenty eight years old. It's not he's not old. Uh, and if you can get him for for a cheap price or whatever, his He's been very consistent PFF wars of 0. 0.41, 0. 0.34, 0. 0.36, um, and grades 85.5 or 80.5, 79.8, 74.5. So all really consistent every single year. Plays that nickel position. Um, so he has you can put him in there and plug him in and be able to expect a certain level of play from him. Um, he's not gonna he's not gonna be a, a liability in that back end for sure. So he is a guy that I do like if they can get him for the right price, um, especially because he does play that nickel position and the Browns don't have that right now. They have, they have literally nobody to be able to play the the nickel. Um, and in terms of the top guys on the market, he is like the one guy that you would be able to trust in that position. Um, I know Will Parks has been talked about as well. Um, he's a, you can play him cornerback. He can play him safety. I think he's been, uh, you know, he's, he's been pretty versatile throughout his career. And I, I believe he was with Joe Woods in Denver, so you mm-hmm. know because he was drafted by Denver, so he has familiarity with the system. So he would be super cheap coming in. You're probably looking at less than less than two million dollars uh, to be able to sign him. So he would be a guy with familiarity with the system uh, and the coaching staff. But he's a you know maybe maybe not a super productive player and you know a bit inconsistent. Uh, but he would be somebody that at least knows the system and maybe maybe can uh, you know fill in at the, you know, the, the nickel also being a safety type of player. And, uh, you know, it's still, still work to be done. And look, they've, they put together a hell of an effort here for obviously first time GM, first time head coach, solid, solid effort. Uh, John, before we, you know, start putting a bet on this one, what's caught your eye here to this point league wise? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things league wise, obviously the, the, to me, the most shocking news was the Tom Brady uh, going to, to Tampa Bay or just the fact that he's leaving New England. Cause like, obviously we all and not going thought, home. Like, I mean, you just figured when it was over, it was all right, me and Giselle, we're going to go off to, we'll both just buy our own private Island and everybody else have a nice life. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, it was just one of those things where like you didn't, you could, you can't imagine Tom Brady in a different Jersey. Especially That's where the I'm at with one that he's headed to in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, they're changing their uniforms this year, so it's going to be. Yeah, what I've seen, it isn't much better. <laughs> well, if if it's the if it's the one that was leaked, um, that had like actually, like, I think it had like number twenty six on the shoulders, but twelve on the yeah. back or something like that. If it was that, I like that one. I I don't know about you, but I thought that was like a good version of like a old school version, but with the new school colors that they have. I like that one, but regardless, it's just a to me that one's this very very strange and. Um, I mean, the, the, the trade though, I think the biggest shocking thing for, for a trade purposes was the fact that the Houston Texans 
accepted a piece of bubble gum for DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the best um, one of the best wide receivers in the game, a top five wide receiver in the game, and they got him for nothing. So off, that, off was, what was, that was shocking. Off of what yeah, was, it was personal. It was personal, and I think, like, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins talked about, he, or he at least tweeted out that it was getting he tried out of proportion. Yeah. Which is like he's just a good he's a good guy and I think like I probably that conversation happened or whatever it is but it's just like like if if when it comes to like superstar players like either you you have to everybody has some type of he's not like a he's not like a problem or he's he's constantly getting into the legal trouble he's just maybe you don't get along with him personally you work that out you figure it out you don't just move off of excellent players. Because you don't get along with him personally, that's how you you, and then you don't get off of him because of uh, a poor, you know, uh, like for poor compensation. Like he's he's worth a first round pick easily. He's a, he should have the, the Texans should have gotten basically what the Browns gave up for OBJ. Like that's what he's worth. He's that good. He doesn't miss time. He he plays every week. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, you know, for to, to what sign Cobb and have Will Fuller and uh, Kenny Stills. I mean, you know, Kenny Stills and Will Fuller mark him down for six games plus missed with hamstrings or whatever other injuries. Um, and the other thing is, is you, you know, if you're the head coach, general manager, basically in charge of the offense, you just pissed off your quarterback. So, Bill, nice job, great, great job down there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what he's his what he's doing um, in terms of just building that roster and stuff like that. I, like I get like like you can look at some of the things in a vacuum. Like they need this to, to get Laramie Tunsil uh, to shore up that offensive line, and that really helped him out. But then you're then you then you see some other moves where you you ship off Jadavian Clowney for a third round pick, shipping off Nuke for for nothing or whatever. It's just, it's baffling. I don't know exactly what they're, what's going on with that. So it's, you know, Hey, I mean, it's only cause it's funny because you would think that it would be a situation where the head coach and the general manager would have serious issues with each other, but it's the same guy. It's so. the same guy. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, not, like, it's not, it's, I mean, I, I, you want your, you want the head coach to be maybe the man, Hey, these are the, you know, not really calling the shots, but, in terms of hey, these are the types of players I want, and dictating to the general manager the types of players that he wants. But then you leave it up to your general manager to build a roster, um, and and bring in those guys that you want. You look at what Andy Reid has done. He he doesn't he doesn't control the he's not he doesn't control it anymore. But he goes hey, these are the types of guys that I want, and then you he the the GM brings in the guys that he wants, or you know he he finds that type of talent and brings him brings it in. You know, just like with Bill Belichick, he's not – he has his player personnel guy, like, doing all the scouting and stuff like that. But he knows he can trust that guy to bring in the type of player and culture, you know, the, the attitude and personality and stuff like that, that that will fit with Bill Belichick. So it's one thing to be able to be calling the shots, but it's it's just uh, – like, it's, he, he just seems like he's in over his head. I don't know. Yeah, well, as far as, you know, that part, because, I mean, guess what? When you get to that first third mate um, in the 2020 season and you're going to look down and say, OK, well, we're going to throw it to the oh, shit. No, no, we're not going to do that. All right. Oh, we're we'll going to break the pocket, break the pocket to Sean and, and make it happen. Oh, wait, yeah, the exactly. one guy that I would always throw it to on the scramble drill. He's in Arizona. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe Duke or Day or what's left of David Johnson will bail us out here. Very, very oh, strange at this point. Yeah. Um. Oh, guys, always a blast here. Um. Obviously, check out John work and all of the folks over at PFF. Uh, continue to bust it up. And one thing with all that's going on here, it doesn't disrupt the work over at PFF so much. Uh, these guys are sitting behind computers all day, which is probably one of the safest places for them to be. John, wish the family, uh, obviously, you know, stay safe, everybody. Uh, be good as we continue to get through what is the new norm here. That is 2020. Um, show itself. Uh, I'm sorry, make sure you're following John at John Costco 3 and all the work over at PFF. Uh, show itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Uh, DMs are open. Follow back account. Anything you guys want put into the show? Like I told you, I do not have much time on my hands right now. And um, my wife is making me do yard work. So if I can find a way to sneak in an extra show or two, you guys are doing me a favor. Um, we're going to sit down later with Stephen Thomas. We're going to sit again with Pete here today, go over some of these defensive guys. Just trying to give you guys some A-plus content while everybody's kind of you know cabin fevered in here. Make sure you're following me, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, iTunes rating reviews, guys, please, please, please. Again, take care of those for me. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. While you're locked in, stay locked on. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.